It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Uh, you know, Rich, I cannot imagine an issue more important than life versus death. I mean, it's pretty clear, isn't it? However you want to paste over it, however you want to blur it, however you want to talk away, that's the issue, life versus death, spiritually, spiritually. And I'll tell you what, uh, in a way that America is struggling with right now, this broadcast is carrying on the entire Bot Radio Network across the country from Texas to Indiana, but it is also uh, going to be about Kansas and what has happened in Kansas that I think our other listeners will find interesting. Well, absolutely, Dad. It's just a kind of a microcosm of what's happening all over the country as there's this debate, there's this war, there's this uh, conflict between life and death. Yeah. And it takes on many different forms, of course. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm an old fellow. And everybody has to process this themselves in their own heart, their own understanding, care enough to dig into it and really think about it. Here's Carol Robertson. There is a story in the Bible recorded in John chapter 9 How a man was touched by Jesus This man was born blind Jesus took a little bit of clay, placed it on his eyes, told him to wash in the pool of Siloam. Then he received his sight and he said, Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's all that I know. Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's how the story goes Once my life was in darkness I was blinded by my sin couldn't see where I was going Didn't care where I had been Then I felt the hand of Jesus Touch my blinded eyes I can't explain but I'll forever proclaim That Jesus changed my life Once I was blind but now I can see that's all that I know Once I was blind but now I can see That's how the story goes Once I was blind but now I can see That's all that I know Once I was blind but now I can see That's how the story goes Well, 
Well, there you go. Now, listen, uh, focus on the family. You know the broadcast, folks. Probably you listen to it. You should with Jim Daly. And, of course, it was Dr. James Dobson that started Focus on the Family years ago. And if you focus on the family, you are talking about the wife and the husband and the mother and the father and the grandparents and the children. That's what that broadcast was all about, isn't it? As ordained in the Bible. That's the book. That's the book. Well, folks, now Jim Daly just recently had uh, Vice President Mike Pence on the broadcast. And I was just transfixed as I was listening to it. Mike Pence, uh, Vice President of the United States, was in Colorado Springs in the Focus on the Family um, studio. But in the course of that broadcast, Focus on the Family um, wanted the listeners to remember what President Trump said when he first addressed the March for Life in Washington. Here it is. It is my profound honor to be the first president in history to attend the March for Life. We're here for a very simple reason, to defend the right of every child, born and unborn, to fulfill their God-given potential. All of us here today understand an eternal truth. Every child is a precious and sacred gift from God. Together, we must protect, cherish, and defend the dignity and the sanctity of every human life. When we see the image of a baby in the womb, we glimpse the majesty of God's creation. When we hold a newborn in our arms, we know the endless love that each child brings to a family. When we watch a child grow, we see the splendor that radiates from each human soul. And as the Bible tells us, each person is wonderfully made. Yeah. And you see, Rich, that is from conception until death occurs. That is the lifespan of the human being. The question always is, do we care? Right. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Or, and that would be a fearful thing to be in the business of taking away that life. Well, you see, that's when Abby Johnson, who was a manager of one of the biggest Planned Parenthood facilities in the country, why, when she woke up and her eyes were open, what it's all about, why then... Uh, I think people know who's listening to this broadcast, what Abby Johnson's story is. Uh, it really is a time when people have to think for themselves and come to grips with this. Now, here is a young woman discussing this very thing. When does life begin, folks? Just ponder it, ponder it. As I have many years ago, it was an experience in Wichita, Kansas, that it really became real not an abstract, not a thought, not a supposition. It became real to me, and I suppose you too, Rich, you were there with me, but listen to what she has to say. You're in a conversation about abortion, and someone says, human life doesn't begin at conception. It's just a clump of cells. 
what would you say? It's easy to say life doesn't begin at conception because an embryo doesn't look like what we think people should look like. But we know human life begins at some point. Here are a few things to remember while you think about when that is. First, life doesn't begin at birth. It isn't logical to say life begins at birth because that would suggest that the baby inside the womb one day prior to birth wasn't alive. It's not reasonable to say an individual who is alive at birth is not alive one day prior to birth. The only difference is where they are. So we know life does not begin at birth. Second, life doesn't begin at viability. Many argue that human life begins once a baby can survive on her own outside the womb. But there are problems with this argument too. After all, viability changes based on technology. Today, babies can be born at 24 weeks and survive. But 200 years ago, that wasn't possible. Viability is also determined based on where you are born. Wealthy nations make things possible for babies that wouldn't be possible in a poorer country. Does that mean a 24-week baby in the United States is more alive than a 24-week baby in the jungles of the Congo? Of course not. So life must be determined by something other than viability. Third, life does not begin with the heartbeat. We know that living things only come from other living things. It wouldn't be possible then for the embryo to be non-living for the first few weeks and suddenly spring into life. So the embryo has to be alive prior to the heartbeat. Does this mean that we can be alive without a heartbeat? Yes. That's actually what makes the newly conceived embryo more functionally impressive than a born person. The embryo has an ability to live, grow, and move through the stages of human development without the feature you and I need to continue our growth and development. If life doesn't begin at birth, viability, or heartbeat, when does it begin? Life begins at conception, fertilization. At fertilization, a living mother and father give life to a whole living organism, genetically distinct from his or her mother and father. No, the embryo doesn't look like everyone else, but aren't we past the idea that someone has to look a certain way before they are considered human? Think of it like a Polaroid picture. Initially, all you will see are black smudge marks. The moment the photo is taken, however, the image is captured. It just needs time to develop. The same is true for you and me. The moment of sperm egg fusion, we in our uniqueness from our parents began to exist. We just needed time to develop. <laughs> you know, I had never, I never heard that illustration before, but I remember the old Polaroid cameras. As soon as you capture the image, it's there. It just takes time to be clear that it's there, but it doesn't change the fact from the moment of clicking that Polaroid camera, the image is captured. And that is, I think she did a beautiful job explaining that. It's kind of kind of easy to understand, isn't it, Rich? It sure is. It just takes time to develop. Yeah. And that's what it is. Remember, Dr. Jerome Lejeune from Paris, France, the number one geneticist in the world, testified in court. We were there. And he said, and folks, this is a number of years ago. So, you know, there's not much to argue about. The question is, do we care? Do we want to admit it? But he said at that time, from the moment of conception, the human being then 
does exist and goes through stages of development and growth until death occurs through trauma or disease. And I process that. But of course, that's when death occurs one way or the other. An automobile accident is trauma. A heart attack is heart disease. But one way or the other, when the end comes, it began at conception and continued to advance through time until death occurred. Now, why is that riling people up so much in the state of Kansas? You see, they've had this war over whether or not abortion is wide open, which is what they're trying to do. The Supreme Court interpretation made it absolutely imperative that the that the Constitution then be amended to make it perfectly clear. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, so the folks in the other states will know what's going on. Well, for years, uh, Kansas was known as the abortion capital of the nation, where uh, people would fly into Kansas from all over the country to have an abortion that was illegal in their home state. Because it was so late. But in the last several decades, there have been uh, pro-life initiatives to pass regulations and restrictions on abortion that are consistent with the framework that's allowed by the U.S. Supreme Court, hopefully praying for the day when Roe versus yes. Wade would be uh, overturned, but nevertheless, these restrictions. And so Kansas has become much, much more of a pro-life state. But the liberal Kansas State Supreme Court, in a decision that they handed down last year, uh, kind of invented a right to abortion in the Kansas state constitution which they had never, that, that which even it, supersedes the U.S. constitution. So the pro-life, wonderful pro-life people in the state of Kansas, many, many legislators and so forth, have, have banded together to propose a constitutional amendment for Kansas to overturn that Supreme Court edict. And it's called the Value Them Both Amendment. And it was, it was to give the people... It was to give the voters, it was to give the constituents an opportunity to vote on it in the next general election. That's what this was. Let the people of Kansas vote on it. That's what was taken away from them, isn't it? Well, the amendment needs two-thirds uh, of a vote in the Senate, the state Senate, which it got, and then it needed two-thirds <laughs> majority in the House, which they should have been able to uh, achieve just with Republican votes and keeping mm -hmm. in mind that the Republicans all ran on a pro-life platform. That's what the Republican platform when is. When they were elected. So what happened, all of the Democrats— even some that claimed to be pro-life, all of the Democrats voted no 100%. in the House. And four, and this was what was so shocking, four of the Republicans that previously had been known to be pro-life voted no on this constitutional yeah. amendment. So we're calling them the fatal four. Yeah. And so there's a lot that's going on in the state of Kansas to um, kind of – kind of take a close look well, at those four, and also all of the Democrats, why not vote for life, at least to let the people vote <laughs> on whether or not they have life you know, in the state of Kansas. Why not let the people speak? So that's a real uh, issue that's going yeah. on right now that has real life and death consequences. Well, we want to carry this on the entire network because the same issue, see, the same issue, the particulars might be different in your state, but the issue between life and death continues on. Now, focus on the family. Uh, had Vice President Mike Pence in their studios. And uh, this is what Vice President Mike Pence said 
about his own testimony. I came to Christ as a freshman in college. I'd, I'd really walked away from uh, a strong religious upbringing, you know, uh, church on Sunday morning and grace before dinner. But it was when I went to college uh, that I began to get involved in the Christian fellowship group. Many of those people were involved in FCA, and um, you know, I really, I really saw something different uh, in those people, and it, it was something I felt very drawn to. And and uh, uh, the more I participated, the more I went, uh, the more I knew there was something missing in my heart and in my life. And in the spring of 1978, I made a decision to uh, accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And it's. It was that ministry of ministries just like FCA that, mm. that impacted me and impacts so many young people every day. Mm. See, FCA folks, those who don't know, is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Now, why do the people, and I don't mean all the people, when I say the people, but there's so much hatred and anger and going on and going on and going on now. It's a big shame, but I want the people to think, what is the reason of the opposing factors? What is the reason of the opposing factors? Is something good about to happen? Now, here's Mike Pence again going on and focus on the family, on, uh, on religious liberty. Well, there's no question throughout the long history of this country, religious organizations and charities have played a vital role meeting the needs of underserved communities and, and Americans that that are struggling uh, to make ends meet. And from early in this administration, President Trump made it clear that we were going to end this barrier that had been erected in the last administration uh, between so many government anti-poverty programs and uh, religious ministries around the country. And the president, through one executive order after another, has taken steps to ensure that today, Jim, uh, religious charities have the same opportunity to participate in providing services, uh, whether that be food, whether that be shelter, whether that be adoption services, on an equal footing of any other yeah. charity. And this isn't to exclude other organizations. This is to say that we want the whole American family to come together to meet the needs of our most vulnerable. And I'm incredibly proud of the steps that we've taken to defend religious liberty at home and around the world. And uh, through one executive order, one action after another, President Trump has uh, has put into practice what we pledged to do from the first days of this administration. Yeah. Mm. You see what that's all about, folks? Uh, there are those in America that say if you are religious, you can't have any help. You can't participate. If you run an orphanage or you run an adoption service or you have anything, if you are religious, especially Christian, then you're cut out. You can't help. You can't serve and so on and so forth. So that's what's changing. That's what's changing. That's what Vice President Pence was talking about. And I was so glad, so proud of Jim Daly and Focus on the Family for letting him speak to our audience because we carry Focus on the Family on all 120 radio stations. But I think they're heard 
nationwide on over a thousand, aren't they, Rich? That's right. And that's about the free exercise of religion. It's about whether or not you can exercise your religious faith in the context of your everyday life, whether you're at work or shopping or wherever you are. Uh, the Constitution guarantees our free exercise of religion. All right. Now, Henry Hyde, he was, he was a political leader. I want, I want the people to listen to what his words were. I finally figured out why supporters of abortion on demand fight this infanticide ban tooth and claw. Because for the first time since Roe v. Wade, the focus is on the baby. Not the mother, not the woman, but the baby. And the harm that abortion inflicts on an unborn child, or in this instance, a four-fifths born child. That child whom the advocates of abortion on demand have done everything in their power to make us ignore, to dehumanize, is as much a bearer of human rights as any member of this House. You see now here, Henry Hyde, of course, uh, he was a congressman from Illinois. As a matter of fact, that was the Hyde Amendment that, of course, the pro-abortion forces they wanted to do away with. They don't want any restriction at all. Isn't that a shame? Now, here's what a preacher had to say, Dr. Lawrence White. But of this one thing, we can be absolutely certain. The Lord God Almighty hates the murder of innocent unborn children. Yeah. All right, Rich, that's what the issue is about, along with other things right now, isn't it? Well, what's exciting in Kansas is to see that the pro-life people are not giving up. The battle continues, and uh, they're really pressing it, and uh, we pray that uh, God will give them victory. Yeah, um, and the battle is going on all over America. We're going to be covering a lot of this. Believe me, folks, it's not politics, it's principle, and and your principles should be based on what God's Word says about right or wrong. And certainly it starts with the least of these. Uh, the least of these. Now here is Vice President Mike Pence uh, with his thought about life is winning in America now. And that makes people mad. Here it is. Because life is winning in America. What's most inspiring to me is that younger Americans are more and more pro-life every day. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's because of the truth about abortion is being told. But I actually think there's a, been a greater influence. First, I think it's been the crisis pregnancy centers around the country yes. who've been coming alongside women with an unexpected pregnancy, putting their arm around them and saying, we will help you through this. If you keep the child, we will, we will help you get your life started with your child, or we'll help you through the process of finding a forever family through adoption. But I also believe the other impact is that I honestly believe that now, you know, so many years since Roe versus Wade, I think that grandmothers are talking to granddaughters, mothers are talking to daughters, and telling them the truth about abortion that women who found themselves in those circumstances, and I hope in my heart anyone in the sound of my voice would know that there is forgiveness, there is redemption, there's a fresh start for you for all of that. Yes. And um, because I, I truly believe that, that, um, that abortion hurts them both Correct. as a title of a famous book. And we want that healing 
in, in the lives of anyone who's been through the experience of an abortion. But I think I have to believe that millions of women who've gone through that experience are now telling their children and telling their grandchildren uh, the truth about that baby. Yes. And, and it's changing hearts. It's changing lives. And with the advance of science, more and more people are seeing it. And let me lastly say, I, I couldn't be more proud uh, to be vice president to the most pro-life president in American history. I mean, yeah. literally from the outset of this administration, President Trump expanded the Mexico City policy to ensure that we, we don't use taxpayer dollars to provide or promote abortion uh, around the world. Uh, we've appointed strong conservatives to our courts uh, at every level, including two Supreme Court justices. We've, in so many ways, this president has put a priority and, and one decision after another yeah. on the sanctity of human life. And, uh, and, and I promise you we'll continue to take that stand together and we'll continue to take that stand with, with millions of Americans who cherish the right to life. Yeah. Rich, just as he was talking, it reminded me of what I read yesterday where there was a Planned Parenthood that had been put up I forget the state, Illinois, perhaps even Indiana, someplace, and they had a big ceremony, and they they had some clergymen there to ask God's blessing on that Planned Parenthood facility. So, folks, you see, we want you individually to think about it. You can always get a clergyman to come and say, oh, you're doing fine. Why, as a matter of fact, we applaud what you're doing. That isn't the question. The question is what is right versus what is wrong. Let's have a couple of comments now from some of our listening audience that called the listener comment line. Here's Paula. Let's see what she says. Yes, this is Paula. I listen to Mott Radios. I just really, truly enjoy all of the ministries, and I love listening to Dr. David Jeremiah, Dr. Jeffers, and Greg Glory, Adrian Rogers. They're just wonderful. Well, that's good. Give us that phone number, Rich. Our listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. 1-800-345-2621. I think we have time from here from Kathleen, uh, another listener. Here it is. My name is Kathleen. I have listened to you for years, and I thank you for such encouragement. My favorite would be Washington Watch. Second is David Jeremiah. And third is Jay Seculo. Also, my favorite among the four would be Ravi Zacharias. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. I pray for you, and God bless you. That's a great mix of quality Bible teaching, Christian news, and information. That's what Bot Radio Network is all about. Give that phone number one more time. Our listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. This is Dick Bott with my son Rich with this chapter of The Complete Story. We'll see you later. 